right, welcome back. Dan Lukowitz here, Dan on top. We've got a really incredible guest with us today. Live from the other side of the country, Dustin Hendrickson. Dustin, how you doing? Good. I'm just saying I'm live from Cracker Barrel right now. Is that I'm right? Live from Cracker, Cracker Barrel. Barrel. There you go, in your yeah, car. Yeah, we do it every year. <laughs> yeah, we do it every year for our little vacation. We start at Cracker Barrel. Oh, yeah? Where are you headed to next? Black Hills, South Dakota. Nice. Okay, awesome. Well, hey, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. I've enjoyed following you. You've released some awesome content on LinkedIn, which is, of course, where we met. And uh, I want to jump right in. Tell our audience, uh, Dustin, who are you? Who is Dustin Hendrickson? I'm just a fun-loving guy that wants to help everybody invest in uh, real estate because I know that you have to own something for your life to be financially free feels like you got to get to the ownership position and that's what i want to do is help more people own real estate because i love real estate and it's helped me immensely awesome well yeah it's definitely clear that you're super passionate about real estate you're also of course a fun loving guy i love interacting with you it's been a lot of fun for me on the other side of the table um give us just a thirty thousand foot overview of exactly what you do I network a lot and I delegate a lot from the most. That's what I do mainly. I find really good partners to partner with that do all the tasks. And I basically just make sure that everyone has their proper task. And if that person is no longer a good fit, then we, you know, try to find someone that is a good fit that wants to be in that position. Sure. Okay. So describe to us the, the structure. It sounds like you're working with some uh, investors and putting together some syndications. So, so tell us a little bit about that whole process of syndication. Uh, the process of syndication is the 30,000 foot view is basically gathering all your friends and pooling everyone's money together that wants to be a part of your invest in, investment and then investing in it. Uh, the LPs that invest the cash have no commitment to do any work they just invest the money and get passive returns and the gps commit themselves to making the project run very smoothly and getting you a great return awesome and how long is this uh how long have you been doing something like this uh the syndication since 2017 but i've been investing in real estate since 04 okay and quite some time yes and i basically took all the steps to get there so how did tell us about that how did you get your start and what did you, you learn along the way so we started build, uh, developing and building duplexes and I lived in one side of the duplex and we rented out the other side and then we just kept going and we snowballed that started building some bigger stuff and I basically reached capacity at some point and I thought there's got to be a better way. So that's when I started searching. I knew that the bigger units was better. I just didn't understand how you could possibly buy these massive apartment complexes. I thought it was only wealthy dudes that owned all of these. And it turns out that uh, we can all own these. We just can own a small portion of it. And then that's how you snowball and you grow to eventually own most of the, the apartment. Awesome. So it sounds like you got your start in uh, real estate investing through house hacking, which I did as well. Um, and for everybody who's watching who doesn't know what that is, that's when you as an individual purchase a home that you live in. Maybe you do some renovations, some repairs to it. And then at the end, you go ahead and sell the property. So you're kind of not just investing uh, and buying a property from an investment perspective, but you're buying it to live in. 
improving it, selling it for a profit, and moving on. So that's really cool. And then at a certain point, like you said, you leveraged up. You utilized other people's money to fund way bigger deals, and that's kind of springboarded you to where you've gotten today, which is really cool. So I know that that uh, in the syndication space, you're not only passionate about doing it for yourself, but you're passionate about helping other people get involved. So tell us a little bit, Dustin, about what you're doing to get others involved in the process of syndication. I am not trying to control anything. So all I'm trying to do is introduce people that have money and want to invest in real estate to the best deals that they can find that are accessible to them, hook them up with a good operator that will answer their questions and they can actually learn a little bit in real estate as well. I'm also helping the syndicator because they're usually newer syndicators. Um, I've, I've vetted them by investing my own money with them, but I can help both parties. And then I just, Hey, what do I get out of the deal? Like that's up to the operator. To, to figure out. I'm not trying to control anything and they pay me for whatever value I bring to the table. And then I create these great relationships with these investors. And then I can also bring them in other deals because I'm in, I'm only bringing investors into the same stuff I would invest in. If I don't want to invest my own money, I'm not going to put it out there for anyone else to invest in either. Sure. That's crucial. I tell people that all the time when I'm pitching a deal to somebody, you know, cause I'm a triple net broker. If I'm not interested in it myself, if there's problems, I'm not going to advise you to buy it for a lot of reasons. Number one, I like to sleep well at night. But number two, I'm a relationships guy, as I know you are. And if I introduce you to a deal that's not in your best interest, guess what? That relationship is going to end. And I know you feel the same way. So I think that's a great thing. And it's important that uh, our, our viewers understand that when you're working with somebody, you have to ensure that you're working with somebody who believes in what they're doing so much that they're not just pitching something to you. It's something that they themselves would invest in. Now, on that topic of syndications, Dustin, can you share with us like maybe some inside scoops or cool stories, things that you've seen behind the scenes that can help other people in their their journey along the syndication pathway? Behind the scenes? Yeah, I've, uh, it's a lot more work than you think to be a GP. <laughs> I think people think that they sure can is. just go be a GP and they're going to get this big, massive percentage. Almost all the money is made from the money. So... Don't think that going and getting on a GP team is going to get you rich because that's far from the truth. What it does allow you to do, though, is control the deal, get into deals that you that I like. I want to get into certain deals. So when I go on the GP, I can control that. I can funnel deal flow to certain people. I can bring in certain investors so that I can make it happen. But it's a lot of work for the operator. And a lot of these guys have realized, you know, these beginning beginner sponsors have realized that it's way harder than they thought so you have to be ready i say if you want to be a gp be ready for a career change because you don't just passively get to be a gp it's a whole career change if you just want to passively invest just bring the money either way either side is fair because whoever brings the money gets the majority of the reward the gp gets to be in the game though you know yeah hands-on in the game i think that's one of the ways that i was first introduced to you was you posted a video on LinkedIn of you literally not only boots on the ground, but but hands in the rubble, doing the actual dirty work yourself. And if I'm not mistaken, your kids were there with you. So tell us a little bit about that. I mean, I'm really a big proponent of teaching my children um, about real estate investment, and I know you are as well. So tell us a little bit about the involvement of your, your family in, in your in your uh, day-to-day. Well, my family's all, always involved, just like today. They have to uh, just have go and eat lunch without me so I can do this video. But they're always game for it because it's, it allows us a lot of freedom. But 
you know, we own a lot of properties and we drive by them. If we see something that's not quite right with the property, we stop. And if the kids have to get out and vacuum the hallway because it's not quite clean enough, we've done that. Now, it's not saying I want to do that, but once in a while, there'll be a project going on where no, the cleaner is not scheduled to come for a couple of days and we don't need to bother the cleaner. So then quick vacuum the hallways up. You know, that's how much we care about our properties. But we also care about not inconveniencing people. And that's just something that's easy for me. Plus, if my girls are with me, teaches them a little lesson, teaches them about ownership. So, yeah, they're always they're always in it, you know, for for what I guess. I don't know. They're never they never complain about working and, and doing some work, although I don't have too much of them. But they're they're pretty interested. My daughter, my oldest daughter wants to invest money in uh, cryptocurrency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's, that's awesome. Sounds like you're giving them you know, not only a hands on experience, but uh, you're teaching them the value of, uh, of hard work ethic, which I think is so important today. So kudos for that. Really, really, really great to see. So being that you've been in real estate investment for greater than a decade and a half, share with us maybe some cool stories or lessons that you've learned along the way. Lessons I've learned, a really important one is make sure your partner is kind of the opposite of you. A lot of people want to get the, a partner that's just like them so they can go hang out with their partner. But you can still find a good partner that you want to hang out with, but they should be almost polar opposite of you. Um, and a lot of people want to be cool with their partner so they get a real cool partner that they like, and, but they find out that they're the same person. And now you got two people that have the same mindset that are trying to do jobs that they don't really want to do. So like a financial mind versus a designer mind are to two totally different minds or like a rebrander mind or even a money raiser mind is different than a operator's mind. So it's good to have total different mindsets on your team, but then also get along very well as well. Yeah, that's some fascinating advice. I think it is important to have balance in your life, both as an individual and also in your relationships. And there's obviously strengths that you have that your partners may not have and vice versa. And I think it's really uh, fascinating that you point that out. That's a cool piece of advice. Well, again, you know, being that you've been involved in this space for so long, um, I'm sure you've learned a lot along the way. If you could go back in time to, let's say, the 16 or 18-year-old Dustin, and knowing everything you know now, what advice would you give yourself? I would tell myself to strip away your limiting beliefs sooner and go bigger right away. Scale. Scale every project. Push you out of your comfort zone every time you do a new product project. Because they never or they don't not that they never fail. Some projects will fail. But you it's amazing how when you put your mind to do something how it falls into place and you do it it all happens when you focus on it so i'd say do i'd say do not be so adhd or be more focused figure out a way to become focused which i have for 20 years um figure out a way to scale faster because i didn't scale very quickly and I've just started scaling in the last five years and all my growth and freedom has come just recently. Now that could be part of the snowball effect as well, but scaling is super, super important in real estate. And you can, be, you can always buy a bigger property than you really think you can, but you wanna be comfortable only raising a certain amount because you've raised that much. Um, you know. But every single time you should push yourself. If you raised two million before, you should raise 
two and a half to three million the next time because you just get comfortable and then you go back to your same people and you raise your same amount of money and you're not really growing. It's just, I, I've just seen it and I see a lot of people hold themselves that same way. They think that they're really doing something big, but they're actually comfortable now with it. They need to also then take that next step up. Very I'd cool. say I would, I would just do that quicker. So you said focus, scale, and get rid of limiting beliefs. I love that. Let, let's dive into each of them. And I want to start with scalability. Tell us a little bit about how you scaled. Because you mentioned that you had this journey, right? You were doing your duplexes. You were house hacking. You were moving along. You thought that big deals were only for people with big pockets. And then you hit this moment of, of scaling. So tell us about how you did that and what impact it had on you and your business. Okay, so first I... So the, you said mindset, focus, scale. It actually is in that order. You got to get your mindset right first. Sure. That takes reading and education and stuff. And you got to think big. So you got to be positive. You got to hang around with, with positive people because negative people will bring you down. They do. It's a fact. So if you're around negativity, you'll become more negative. If you're around positivity, you'll become more positive. So you have to get, get build your mindset to accept this knowledge. Then you have to focus. So I was not focused. I was building at one point. I was building single family, a whole development, 72 home development wow. for affordable housing. And that's and then I was doing custom homes, which are intense hourly uh, with the customer, always with the customer. Um, and then we were doing uh, like a 30 plex mixed use type building. We were developing that. We were developing a 10 unit. Plus, I was doing asset management and once in a while property management. I was just filling in and then we. Yeah, that was it. So, and then, yeah, and then I was like, this is crazy how this is not sustainable because all of a sudden, almost everything felt like it was a break even. I went from making money on most everything I did to almost everything was just breaking even. Couldn't figure anything out. Everybody was disappointed. All the customers were mad. My investors were mad, everything. So I, I somehow I found syndication and then that's when I realized to scale you have to focus sold all my stuff all my single family stuff sold out of the whole development sold out all of our lots wow sold any investment that performing well uh completely stopped doing property management because i realized that it pulled me away way yeah too it wasn't much. exactly so I, I didn't do right any lane. emergency property management I got to where I was basically just focused on a multi-family. One thing, so they're like, oh, I can do this over here. Oh, I can do that over there. But you should really think about, do you actually like doing what you actually like to do? And then go all in on that. Essentialism, the book Essentialism really helped me with that. Yeah, Because he draws a line, a you know, bit. like a thousand different directions, one inch or... A thousand inches one direction it's just like i equate it to when your employees work on 20 different tasks at once they never really get anything done and it feels like they don't get anything accomplished and if they could just work on one task and get that thing done then they get so much more done absolutely absolutely you said that really well you can go a thousand directions one inch or one direction a thousand inches obviously you're gonna have way more progress if you push things forward in in, in one plane. And I, you know, I've I've mentioned that with a lot of people recently who talk about you know the shiny object syndrome. 
And what I found for me is that when I'm unifocused, I kind of set my rules and set my boundaries. And that keeps me from allowing myself to jump in directions that'll take me away from my main focus. So sometimes I think those boundaries uh, are helpful. Now, on the other hand, you mentioned limiting beliefs, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. What I found personally is that the moment that I take away a limiting belief, that's when I free myself. Because really, I believe firmly, and I think you do as well, that inner reality creates external reality. What I believe about myself, others in the world, is exactly how my reality appears, and it's exactly how I show up in the world. So I think that's huge, and I appreciate you bringing that to light today. Well, you know, Dustin, I definitely appreciate having you here. We've got uh, just over a minute left. Anything you want to close with or any questions you had for me? Um, anything I want to close with? Oh, I just did. I just eliminated, eliminated a limiting belief. Let's, let's hear about it. It's regarding money, and I think okay. it's really interesting. Sure. Why, why is money bad or evil when every time – any person that gets money, no matter how evil or good or great they are, who ever feels bad when they get money from doing good? Not now. Now, if you harm somebody, you get money. That's different. Right. If you're not harming anyone, and you get money, you always feel good about it. You feel good when you're spending money. You feel good when you're giving money. You feel good. Almost anything to do with money, when you have it and you have it in abundance, mm -hmm. you feel a really, really good feeling. So. How can it be evil? It's not. We've just been taught that it's evil. But every single person I know that has a lot of money is a good person. I don't know that many people that have a lot of money that aren't good people. And they, if they do have a lot of money and they're not good people, they usually end up losing it. So i just seen the most generous people I ever know have lots of money. And they, they give away more money. The people that have tons of money give away more money than anything else they do with their money. There you go. Well, hey, Dustin, thanks again. Get rid of those limiting beliefs, take it to the next level, and enjoy it. Appreciate your time, Dustin. Great to have you here on Dan on Top. We'll see you guys soon. Signing out from Cracker Barrel. <laughs>